Let's pray. God, I thank you for uh, each person that is here today. I thank you for what's going to be happening, Father. And uh, just ask your blessing upon our service today. And uh, Lord, help us even in these few moments here of hearing from your word that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open to uh, what your spirit would have us to hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to quote to you from Bob Goff in his book. Some of you have been reading his book, Love Does. This is something that he says uh, in that book. He, and he refers to God in this particular quote. It says, He says to ordinary people like me and you that instead of closing our eyes and bowing our heads, Sometimes God wants us to keep our eyes open for people in need. Do something about it and bow our whole lives to him instead. I read that and was very intrigued by that because I am a big proponent of our need to pray to God. And I can easily back that up in scripture. But sometimes our prayers are not enough. Sometimes we need to do more than pray. Sometimes we just need to get out there and love people. If I meet up with someone who is hungry and naked, and I say to them, be warm and be filled. And Oh, by the way, I'm praying for you. According to James chapter 2, that is not enough. The words are not enough. The good wishes are not enough. The prayers are are not enough. Instead, the Lord wants us to get up from where we are sitting and He wants us to truly love people by meeting their needs. Now, obviously, we as individuals cannot meet everybody's need that we cross paths with. But but I bet that I could say this and be fully accurate in saying it. For, For each one of us, we could do more, couldn't we? I could do more. I can do more about meeting people's needs. Now, no, I can't meet everybody's needs, but I can meet one person's needs. And if if each of us had that kind of mindset, that we each can touch one other person, that we can help one other person, and then too, as we pool our resources together, we can meet several people's needs. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 says, But whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but in deed and truth. Love does. Would you say that with me? Love does. I mean, that's what we've been stressing over these last Four Sundays. The fact that love is not passive, rather, love is active. Love is getting out of ourself and it's getting out there, actively meeting people's needs. Bob Goff said that our love to others can actually be a worship to God. Did you catch that? I mean, that, that's really true. And today, as we go out and show love to others, We are worshiping God. We are worshiping Him less today 
in singing and praying, but still we are worshiping Him as we are going out and loving our neighbor. Each week over these weeks past, I have been highlighting a story for you about Jesus from the Gospels and how He loved And today we are in John chapter 13. Uh, Interestingly, as I was beginning to look at this passage of Scripture, I found this quote in my NIV study Bible. I want to give it to you. Uh, It says, John, speaking of the Gospel of John, has by far the longest account of the upper room. Though curiously, he says nothing about the institution of the Lord's Supper. Still, we owe to John most of our information about what the Lord said to His disciples on that night. One feature of the discourse is Jesus' emphasis on love. The Greek noun agape and the verb agapeo occur only eight times in chapters 1 to 12 of John, but 31 times in chapters 13 to 17. And that caught my attention right away. Because it it tells me a lot of what Jesus had to say to his disciples in that upper room on that last night before he died on the cross. He talked to them about love. But do you remember what preceded all of his talking about love? Yeah, Larry, I said, I saw him say it. The washing of feet. And so before Jesus talked to his disciples about love, he demonstrated love to them by washing their feet. Let me read to you that passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you'll turn to John 13, or I think it's on the board as well. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. Peter said to him, Lord, never shall you wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, then not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, Not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is the one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed 
if you do them. What a scene in that passage of Scripture. Before he talked to them about love, he showed them love by washing their feet. The Lord became the servant of all. I want to give to you just two brief points this morning from this passage of Scripture. And the first one is this. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. Let that sink into your mind. The greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. And that is a truth that is completely contrary to what the world thinks. The world would say it this way. The greatest is the one who is on top. The greatest is the one who is in charge. The greatest is the one who has people underneath them, serving them, submitting to them. But that is not what Jesus said. Jesus, on the other hand, said, the greatest is the one who serves. Let me read to you some of the different gospel accounts to see that Jesus emphasized this point over and over again. Mark chapter 9, verse 35 says, If anyone wants to be first... He shall be last of all and servant of all. Mark 10, 43 and 44. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Matthew 23, 11 and 12 says, But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled. And whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. And Luke 22, 26 and 27 says, But the one who is greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves, Jesus said. What he's saying there in that last passage, the world thinks that the one who reclines at the table and has people coming and serving him, he is the greatest. Jesus says, no, it's not that way in the kingdom. The greatest is the one who serves. And Jesus set the example for us. He showed us from heaven's perspective what true greatness is. It is in the one who serves. It's not the one who is at the top rung of the ladder. It's more about the one who is down low and he's lifting others up. It's not about the one whose feet is being washed. It's more about the one who's doing the washing. And in John 13, the Lord of the universe is the one whom we see down on his knees washing the dirty, stinking feet of his disciples. Can, can you picture this in your mind? Jesus, the creator of all things, who has become man for a short while, and he knows he's going back to the Father, the text says, and yet he is the one who takes off his outer garment, and he gets a basin of water, and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. Do you remember what was going on in the room at this time? The disciples are arguing with each other about which of them was the greatest. And so while they are having this argument with one another, Jesus gets up from his position at the table and he assumes the role of a servant. You see, it was customary in those days for the host to provide a servant 
to wash the guest's feet. Sandals would have been the normal attire of the people in this day, and the roads were dusty, and so it wouldn't have taken much for a person's feet to become dirty. The hospitable thing would have been for a servant to be ready to wash the men's feet as they entered the room. But maybe you remember, this was a borrowed room. And so the host was gone, the servant was gone, and as the disciples and Jesus entered into this room, there was no servant to wash their feet. And so they, they're making their way around the room. There's a table set up, kind of in a U fashion, and pillows uh, where they would be laying on one elbow up to the table and they're all scrambling and arguing fussing with one another over who's going to get the seat of honor the seat next to Jesus and as this argument is going on Jesus gets up from the table unnoticed and he became the servant I can only imagine in my mind how the argument quickly faded into deafening silence as the disciples saw and realized what was happening. And all they could hear was now the sound of water being poured over dirty feet into a basin. And Jesus was doing that which they had not even thought about. Remember, the greatest in the kingdom is the one who serves. Keep in mind, he, he washed even the feet of Judas, who was about to betray him. He washed Peter's feet, who was about to deny him three times. He washed every, disciples, every disciple in that room. He washed their feet. And all of them were about to flee from him at his most critical hour of need. He was defining greatness for them in a much different way than what they were accustomed to. Let me give to you the second point. And that is serving others will help you be like Jesus. Serving others will help you be like Jesus. Did you notice the teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples After he had washed their feet. Verses 14 and 15 he says. If I then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And so if you want to be looking like Jesus. And and I'm sure all of us want that for ourselves. We want to look like Jesus. If we want to look like Jesus, then we need to be looking for opportunities to serve others. Don't look to be served. Rather, look to serve. And may that be our mindset in the home, at school, at work, in the neighborhood, in the community. May we have a mindset to serve more than to be served. I was, I was talking with someone just recently who is closely connected 
to the sharing bucket ministry here in town. And most of you are familiar with that ministry. It is a wonderful ministry to people who have cancer. And several from our church family who have had cancer have benefited from the sharing bucket. And this lady was saying to me, it's hard to have enough volunteers to cover all the bases that are needed. Lots of needs and so few workers. And when she said that to me, it rung a bell, a familiar bell from Matthew chapter 9 because Jesus said something very similar to that. He said there is lots of work to do in the fields, but there are so few workers. And we need more kingdom workers. We need more servants who will be consumed with His agenda rather than our own agenda. And the truth is, when we begin serving others, that is when we will most look like Jesus. Let me share a piece with you that I thought was rather interesting. And I quote, A Spanish philosopher tells about the Roman aqueduct at Segovia in his native Spain. It was built in 109 AD. For 1800 years, it carried cool water from the mountains to the hot, thirsty city. Nearly 60 generations of men drank from its flow. Then came another generation, a recent one, who said, this aqueduct is so great a marvel that it ought to be preserved for our children as a museum piece. We shall relieve it of its centuries-long labor. And they did. They laid modern iron pipes. They gave the ancient bricks and mortar a reverent rest, and the aqueduct began to fall apart. The sun beating down on the dry mortar caused it to crumble. The bricks and stone sagged and threatened to fall. What ages of service could not destroy, idleness disintegrated. And I think sometimes we, if we're not careful, can be just like that aqueduct. If if we stay busy for Him, and serve Him with our life. He'll continue to use us even beyond our wildest dreams and we'll look a whole lot like Him. But if we ever reach a point where we stop serving and we are more concerned about our agenda than what we are His agenda, then it will not take long for us to deteriorate in our faith and start falling to pieces. And I honestly think that is why so many people fall away. It's because they do not find a place to serve. They don't get involved in the work of the kingdom and the sun beats down on them. The hardships of life beat down on them and they deteriorate in their faith and they just crumble underneath the load. And so do you want to guard against that happening to you? Then you live a life of service to others. Have a mindset that you want to serve more than what you want to be served. 
Jesus said it this way in John 13, 17. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. If we will wash feet as he washed feet, then the blessing will be ours. And and that's just craziness to the world. Washing feet? Being a servant? That's, That's absurd. But you know what? That is the absurd truth of the kingdom. That if we humble ourselves and serve others, we will be blessed. So could I leave you with a word of encouragement today? Get into the business of foot washing. Become a servant. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, help us as we want to live this life of service to others. And Lord, as we seek as a church even today to put this into practice, would you help us please? And may it be a blessing to you. May it be a blessing to others. And may that blessing return to us as well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing.